You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 643 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and uh, you're not making it up. You are hearing me in your ears after I defiantly said last night that I would not be recording another podcast until the game on Thursday unless something crazy happened. And I'm not sure this actually qualifies, but Ty Wallace is now a member of the Hawks. We'll come back to that later on in the podcast. I uh, brought in the great Jeff Siegel to help me talk about Ty Wallace on the fly on short notice. So hopefully you will all appreciate that conversation. Quickly, though, before we get to the conversation with Jeff, I wanted to update since I'm actually here to talk about um, that. I want to spend a couple of seconds now talking about what's going to be happening on Thursday in Detroit. Something I should have mentioned, something I should have mentioned before now, um, is that the Pistons are actually going to be on, on the second night of a back-to-back, which is very advantageous for the Hawks. In addition to being without Blake Griffin, they will have to travel from Indiana back home. Not not a long trip, but still a, a, a road back-to-back puts the Hawks in a favorable in a favorable position for Thursday. And then the injury report came out. On Wednesday afternoon, um, after actually Lloyd Pierce sort of spoiled the surprise, Lloyd Pierce told Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com that Kevin Herter was on track to play with a minutes limit of 15 minutes, and he's uh, going to actually start Cam Reddish at the two. Later on in the afternoon, Herter was announced as probable on the injury report by the Hawks, but uh, all indications are he's going to play unless something crazy happens between now and tip-off on Thursday. That is very, very good news. No breaking no breaking news there on my part, but Kevin Herter is uh, very good at basketball, and that's a very helpful piece for the Hawks. We will see how much he plays. 15 minutes was the cap that uh, Lloyd Pierce told Kevin, but uh, we'll see how he handles that. Also, Reddish starting is not a huge surprise. He was starting at least at times in the preseason. I candidly would start Bembry if I had to choose, but not a huge deal. Uh, by the way, Kevin also noted that Reddish still has a minutes limit of 25 minutes, supposedly, from Lloyd Pierce. Uh, part of that's just probably him working into shape from his uh, long layoff of playing basketball. But um, I would still, even with that news, even for that news, I should say, I would have leaned towards Bembry playing more than Reddish. I think Bembry is just a better fit with, with the starters, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I think we'll see plenty of those guys if you were to put in you know, the 40 minutes of maximum minutes from Kevin Herter and Cam Reddish. You still have 56 minutes to fill between DeAndre Hunter, DeAndre Bembry, and maybe Vince Carter at the three. So there will be plenty, plenty of minutes to go around. I think Hunter's going to play a ton in his first game, which is nice. Also, last thing here, the Hawks are currently, as we speak on Wednesday afternoon late, uh, or early evening, and the Hawks are two-and-a-half-point underdogs against Detroit. That kind of illuminates the fact that Detroit is a small home favorite, but without Blake Griffin on a second second day of a back-to-back, it would, no, it would not be a surprise to anyone, I don't think, that if the Hawks went in there and won that game. The Hawks probably have a talent advantage, uh, maybe not an experience advantage, but a talent advantage over Detroit. Um, I know they have to go on the road, but Detroit has the rest disadvantage. It is early in the year, so that probably is minimized to some degree, but the Hawks are certainly capable of going into Detroit and winning, so that's adding an, an additional layer of intrigue to the proceedings, and of course, the first look at Kevin Herter is the headliner for me. So, all that to say, the next time you hear me uh, talking about the Hawks after today will be after the game on Thursday. I'm not in Detroit, but uh, plenty to discuss, I'm sure, from the opener. At any rate, uh, after this short break, we will come back with Jeff Siegel, talk about Ty Wallace and uh, the new signing for, I guess not really a signing, a claim of the Atlanta Hawks. So stay tuned for that right after this short break. Jeff, thank you for joining me for this pseudo-emergency version of the podcast. And uh, let's talk about Ty Wallace, because a look behind the curtain here, 
I have seen Ty Wallace play several times. I covered him in the draft when he came out in 2016, but I am not a Ty Wallace expert, so I'm, I'm bringing you in to we'll, we'll combine powers here and analyze Ty Wallace because uh, sort of an emergency for me. I'm not I don't have a lot of time today to uh, break things down and watch more film like I normally would to talk about a player. So uh, thank you for joining me, my friend. Yeah, uh, it should be fun. We're uh, sort of a little bit blind here. Both of us are kind of. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a Ty Wallace fan as well, but not necessarily someone who you know watched every possession of his before he before coming on the podcast to talk about him because yes. we didn't have time for that. So we, we uh, normally we normally do like oh, real yeah. prep for this podcast. We I know I watch especially when the Hawks make a signing. I usually try to watch as much as possible, but I don't have time to do that today. So uh, in the interest of the fans, I'm trying to give people some information about Ty Wallace. So. Here we are. Um, just for the specifics here, he's a 6'5". Basketball reference listed as a point guard. Are you okay with that? I think he definitely has played point guard, but is he a point guard? Is it, I could Probably the biggest question I have on this sure. podcast. I think he probably yeah, is, I mean, but I'm not sure if he's like the... He's definitely not a traditional point guard. He's just more of a yeah. uh, hybrid, but he is listed as a point I guard. I mean, 32% of his offense came out of pick and roll last year. There you so go. that seems something like, you know, that's something at least yeah so you know he's 6'5 listed at 6'5 anyway 25 years old um has appeared in the nba over the last two seasons with the clippers played 92 games actually made 19 starts for the clippers two years ago down the stretch when they were kind of uh running a short roster and had to fill spots but he performed relatively well um the one glaring weakness with Ty Wallace that I can see, and maybe you have more than this, but his his jump shot is not really a thing. Um, he's a 23% shooter from three in his uh, NBA career, and in the G League, it's 24%. So not a huge sample size there, about a year and a half in both um, in both leagues. But in watching him as well in the limited time that I have, that is certainly the question mark with Ty Wallace is, is his jump shot. But he's a interesting player, and uh, I guess the way that I'll tee you up here, it does seem like Travis Schlenk has an idea of what he wants backup point guard to be in the Trey Young era, and it's not anything like Trey Young. Yeah, that's uh, and it was something that we had sort of talked about when they were looking to to fill that spot, and then they you know eventually settled sort of on Evan Turner, and now it seems like maybe Ty Wallace is going to get a crack at it. You know, those two guys are not in any way like literally could not be any dif- you know any more different from from Trey Young. So it's interesting. It's certainly going to give them. A, a different way of playing. I, I know that there are sort of positives and negatives to that. Certainly throwing different looks at your opponents can be good, but then in, in terms of like development, maybe it would be good to have your backup point guard play a very similar role in a very similar offensive, uh, have a very similar offensive load to your, your primary point guard so that guys who are playing next to him in both units, you know, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, who are going to sort of play both with the starters and with the backups can play sort of, the same role with both with both point guards on the floor. Obviously, that's going to be very different here, and and you know the 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 Hawks are going to go in a different direction with that. But uh, I think Wallace certainly you know has has some skills. The the shot is the main question, and his finishing at the rim is also you know in, in doubt. I think he shot he shot under forty percent around the basket per synergy last year, so that's not great either. So you know a lot of this is small sample. He didn't play a ton, even though he he appeared in a bunch of games. He just didn't play a ton of minutes. Uh, overall throughout last season even so you know it's hard to say anything definitive about him other than he's big he's long he defends he tries on that end of the floor which is nice to see for a Hawks team that doesn't have a lot of defenders so you know I think he he certainly fits a role but you know how efficient he is offensively is going to be what uh, what you know keeps him on this team long term or is something that is just 
uh, he, or if he's more of a, a stopgap until, you know, Kevin Herter is fully healthy or, you know, Alan Crabb maybe gets back out there, so, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, he's played 1,479 NBA minutes, which is not a terribly small sample. It's probably more than I thought, honestly, uh, before I looked it up just now for the podcast. Not a prolific score, not necessarily an offense first player. Like, he's capable of, ball, of handling the ball and creating a little bit for others. Not a huge assist guy, a 10.8% assist rate in his two seasons, um, again, again, abbreviated seasons at the uh, NBA level, but someone who, you know, on a per 100 possession basis, basically is averaging 16 points, eight, eight rebounds, and three assists per game. Uh, that's not perfect metric by any means. Uh, I almost said per game, sorry, um, per, per 100 possessions. So he kind of fits the archetype that the Hawks already kind of have in some ways. I do think that Wallace is more of a quote-unquote point guard than the other options, other than Brandon Goodwin, who is entirely different, and he's on a two-way contract. He's sort of on his own in this discussion. But Wallace is pretty similar to a guy like Bembry, for instance. Bembry um, is not a point guard, but has played there a little bit um, and has that secondary ball handling and is a defense-first player at this point in time. Turner is a little bit different because Turner is just not a great athlete. He's now, you know, he's pretty slow and more more of a physical guy. Wallace is more along the lines of Bembry's to give people a an on the roster com- an on the, on the roster comparison. He's a pretty good athlete. He's pretty much the same size as Bembry, and they have similar weaknesses and strengths. Does that does that ring a bell for you? Is there anything that you see that's different between those two guys? Because I would imagine, and I said this on Twitter too, but this feels like a best player available ad for the Hawks. Like Wallace was available. He's an NBA player. Um, one of the first responses that I had when I tweeted about, about this was a guy was a guy from uh, named Derek James who covers the Timberwolves and basically said that everybody up there likes him. They just had no room for him, um, and the Hawks have room. The Hawks have a roster spot. And a couple of the responses I got immediately were, "Why, why, why aren't they signing a big?" And it's like, well, Wallace is probably better than the guys who were available in general that could be claimed like this. You know, maybe Alfonso McKinney, but he's no longer on. He was no longer available by this point. So I'm saying a lot of things here, but what's the role look like and what's the player, you know, what can he bring to the table if they're going to play him? Because that's the other question. Like, he might just be here for depth and may not play. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we have no idea. Like, if they if they had him on the roster just in case, you know, Kevin Herter is out a little bit longer or can't, you know, doesn't come back at, at full strength as quickly as they expect, you know, Alan Crabb's injury, you know, plays a, plays a part into this as well. You know, if that if that's sort of what he's here for, or he's in Atlanta for, and then decide, and then you know, say Herder comes back and he's fully healthy by early part of next week. Like we may see him back on waivers, you know, by then. So like it's hard to know exactly how much they like him and how much they think he has a role versus how much of this is just sort of an emergency depth piece that they can that they can claim immediately and somebody who they know they can stick out on an NBA floor and he's not going to be overwhelmed by it because he you know is an NBA level player. So. You know, or they could keep him the whole year and, and make him a restricted free agent next summer and really, you know, think that he's, you know, not a core part of the team, but certainly a part of the team going forward. So I think it's both things are sort of up in the air and both things are in play and, and everything in between that. So I think, you know, certainly the Bembry comparison is the the one to make. He is basically a poor man's version of DeAndre Bembry in every single way possible in terms of <laughs> just le- he le- left-handed. Get, he's left-handed though, Jeff. He's but, left-handed, which is nice. Yeah. Um, he could get to the rim. He can't finish just like Bembry. He's can, you know, not a primary playmaker by any means, turns the ball over a lot, you know, doesn't have the jump shot, will get after you defensively, but isn't big enough to be like a forward is more of a guard in that sense. You know, both guys, six, five, six, six, somewhere in through there. And so, you know, I think it's the one thing that Wallace does have that I don't think 
Bembry does is sort of this in-between pull-up jumper floater type of game. You know, I think that's where that's where Bembry sometimes gets into trouble. If he, when Bembry catches the ball on the wing and he's not open enough to shoot or he doesn't want to shoot because he's not very good at it, he he drives and when he drives, he better get all the way to yeah, the rim because the otherwise. There, there's no in-between game. And Wallace at least has some in-between game. He can stop and pop from you know 15 feet. He can stop and pop from 12 feet. He can go up with a, a little floater. So he's got some sort of in-between game, and he goes to that floater quite a bit versus going all the way to the rim because, again, he's not very good at the rim. He's probably worse than, than Bembry is at the rim, but he's you know he's got that little floater game. He's got a little bit more touch than Bembry. Um, but the, the you know the three point shot is pretty much the same. The playmaking chops are you know relatively similar. Uh, the athleticism defensively is are you know that's uh, relatively similar to Bembry's as well. So you know it's a really good comparison. You know obviously Lloyd Pierce loves DeAndre Bembry, so getting somebody in who has a lot of the same skills certainly you know bodes well for for his playing time going into going into the season. Yeah, and it's worth noting that Wallace was better two years ago in a more low-impact environment with the Clippers than he was last year, efficiency-wise. You know, again, pretty small samples, but he had 50, 52% true shooting two years ago, and it was 45% last year. If it's 45%, you're basically unplayable. I don't really care how good you are on defense. Um, so that's something that has to be said. Like, his efficiency last year was basically not NBA level. So we'll keep an eye on that, to be sure, if he's even playing. And we've just said enough to know that he may not be playing or may not be on the roster. Um, I think that he's not as physical as Bembry is defensively. I do think Bembry is a better defender. Wallace can defend and is a good defender, but not quite to the level of Bembry, at least in my opinion, from what I've seen. Um, real quickly, before I let you get out of here, Jeff, uh, the contract, I know we talked about it a little bit a second ago. They can move on from him for basically no penalty. Am I reading that right? Uh, pretty much. I mean, they're going to pay him like $9,000 a day, and every every $9,000 they pay him goes on their salary cap, but that's it until January 7th. And if they keep him after that, then he's on their books for the whole 1.6 million, but it's very, even 1.6 million is not very much to a team that is, you know, that is in the the Hawks position where they are right now. So it's really all about whether they like him and whether they need that roster spot for somebody else at some point down the line. That's, those are the reasons that he is either on or off this roster. So it's really not, there's no, there's not a whole lot in his contract that uh, is interesting for, from the Hawks perspective, I don't think. Yeah, he was kind of a perfect um, claim for them in that he's, you know, he's fairly young. He sort of fits a need, or at least a potential need for them, and there's no opportunity cost. You know, we, we, you and I talked about the roster spot that they had, that, that they were, that they were going to leave open, and also the flexibility on the salary cap. Both those things are really still there, because if they needed to, they could just cut Ty Wallace at any moment and basically not incur too much of a penalty. So it checks a lot of boxes, and it makes a lot of sense as to why the Hawks are doing this, in my opinion. The impact of it, We'll see. Again, like it wouldn't stun me if he never played rotation minutes for this team, but it also wouldn't stun me if he was, you know, at the very least ahead of Brandon Goodwin, um, who is going to be around probably longer, I would imagine, because of the two way. But they're just very different players. But in the, we talked about this a lot, talked about this a lot. But in the event of a Trey Young injury or something like that, I thought Goodwin was definitely going to be playing. If Wallace is around, we'll see how they do that. But you know, he was not going to be. I can't imagine he'll be active on. Uh, on Thursday, even if he gets even if he gets to Detroit and all that stuff and gets in uniform, I can't imagine him playing. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Like they're not really going to be able to use him practically in Game One. So we can talk about this more when when they've actually discussed it. I did um, before we started recording. I tweeted this out, but I, I did confirm a league sources uh, confirmed that the Hawks did claim him. They they've not announced that just yet as a time of, as a time of this recording. 
but it's probably going to be happening in the near future based on what I've been told. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm out of things to say for now. We will certainly talk more about him if necessary. If he, if he, if he begins to play a role and um, if he's going to stick around for a while, we'll talk about him more in the future, I'm sure. But anything that we need to add in your opinion that we've not hit on with Ty Wallace? No, I mean, everything, you know, he's sort of a, a, a box score stuffer in such a way. I mean, he had a five by five in the G League, one of maybe one of the first people ever to do that, but certainly one of a, a very short list of of players to ever have a five by five in the G league. Obviously it's a little bit easier to do so in the G league than the NBA. Not only is the talent level well, a little bit worse, funny, but, though, but like, it's funny. He only has, he only has 33 career G league blocks. So he had at least five of those in one game. <laughs> yeah, he did uh, in, in Jan- uh, December, I believe of 2017 in his first season with the Agua Caliente Clippers. I think they were still the Agua Caliente Clippers back then. I can't remember. That, but is, they that were... is correct. According to basketball reference anyway. Yeah. So he was on, uh, he was on that team. He got a five by five. It was a big deal at the time. It was sort of a, a thing that like, oh, like, look at this kid doing, you know, doing a lot of different things in uh, in the G League. He parlayed that into, you know, a, a, about a year and a half stint with the Clippers. And then he spent training camp with the Wolves. And now he's with Atlanta for an indeterminate amount of time. We'll see sort of uh, how long he lasts. You know, I'm personally, I, I really like him. I think he's, a, uh, I'm a fan of his game, how he fits with the rest of the Atlanta roster, a little bit more up in the air. Just you know, based on the fact that they already have a lot of guys who sort of struggle from from long range on their you know, on, especially on their bench unit already with Bembry and Turner particularly, and then you know a little bit with Jabari Parker, even though he's been better from three than I expected him to be. You know, Damian Jones, Bruno Fernando, they're not you know Jones. It will certainly fire away from the corners. You know, sometimes those go in, sometimes they miss the basket entirely. So there, you know, the 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 spacing on the second unit is not already already was already not going to be fantastic. Adding Ty Wallace to that mix is not going to help it by, by any means, but he can also operate in situations where things, where the floor isn't spaced as well as it as it maybe should be or or needs to be in the, in today's NBA. I think he's because of that sort of in between game a little bit that he showed last year. The year before, he had really not a whole lot of in between game, but was much better at the rim. So if he could sort of combine last year and two years ago and be a good finisher and have this good little little like in between runner game, so. I think that would be that would be obviously the the perfect outcome for him offensively on top of you know perhaps you know increasing that that three point usage and increasing the uh, three point percentage um, but outside of that i mean it's there's not a whole lot to say until we see what his role really looks like, but it's certainly an interesting claim it certainly makes me think that perhaps they uh, had, they were in, interested in Alfonso McKinney on the exact same contract yep. uh, to be claimed off of waivers from Golden State. They either they didn't put a claim in, or they were beat to it by Cleveland the the Cleveland Cavaliers, who had a were ahead of them in the waiver claim order because they were worse than than the Hawks last year by record. So they didn't have a chance to 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 get uh, Alfonso McKinney. I don't know whether they actually put that claim in. Maybe we'll yeah, find out I mean, about that eventually. There's, but there's also an argument that. You know, you could never have too many wings, and I always say that, but McKinney doesn't really have a real role right now in Atlanta if he arrives. Um, I know he's not. I think he might be a better player than Ty Wallace, but role-wise... Yeah, I mean, he's probably a better player than Cam Reddish, but let us that's not a conversation <laughs> we should have. Obviously, they're not going to play him over Cam Reddish because of the talent, no. dif- the, the talent difference there, but yeah, the, I, I, the I just think The developmental that, thing is obviously in Cam Reddish's corner but uh i don't yeah Alfonso so, mckinney was playing rotation minutes for an nba finals team last year right he, and was not like, he played awful. in the finals and is and wasn't i mean he's he wasn't good but he's someone no. who 
would have made sense to your point. I j- I'm not sure if they claimed him or not. I will try to find that out, honestly, because I'm pretty interested in it. Um, but like, like you said, it wouldn't have mattered if they did or not, because Cleveland Cleveland would have been ahead of them in the pecking right. order. And just to say, like, I think McKinney's a better player, so if they could have got him, then that would have been great. But also fit-wise, like, he doesn't really bring anything to the table that they don't already have. Whereas Wallace, you know, this position estimates are flawed on basketball reference, but more than half of his career minutes are assigned as point guard, 61%. And I think he is now one of three players on the roster that is a quote primary point guard, and and the, and the third one of those is Brandon Goodwin, who's really on, who's really a two way. So uh, there's something to be said for having another another point guard option, even if it's not a perfect one. I think he's probably just more comfortable in that role than anybody else that they have, other than Trey. Yeah, Rivers. and I think that so. makes a ton of sense, and that's probably why his his fit may is a little bit more seamless than than McKinney's fit, also because of the. The, you know the developmental implications around some of the wings that the, that the Hawks already have. McKinney would be in that rotation if he had made it to Atlanta, but would uh, maybe not have been as important as as Wallace might be. Yep, um, that's probably a good summary for now. I appreciate you jumping on with me to uh, talk about Ty Wallace, and uh, yeah, we might discuss him again in the future. I know I will. I'm not sure if we will together in this space, but uh, I appreciate you, Jeff. Please plug yourself real quickly before I let you get out of here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JG Siegel at Early Bird Rights, earlybirdrights.com for all your salary cap needs. Some other stuff coming in the next couple of weeks that's going to be really super interesting that I'm already we're already working on, but needs to, to we're working out some bugs on on some of the code for that. And PeachtreeHoops.com for all your hawk stuff, and I'll be back on this podcast, I'm sure, at some point in the yes. next few weeks because that's confirm. usually how that goes. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that's about that's about all I got. Follow Jeff. Follow me if you would like to do so. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast. I'll check check out Peachtree Hoops, where Jeff and I uh, sort of co-run the show over there at times. So, uh, yeah, check us out. And uh, with that said, I, my next podcast, I don't care what happens. My, ne- my next podcast will not be until after the game on Thursday, so stay tuned for that. <laughs>